Hey friend, thanks for listening to the Fixate Phoenix podcast. We are praying that you are blessed by this week's message. If you would like to partner with the future of Fixate, you can visit fixatephx.com slash give. God, we thank you for today. It's in your spirit and worship. God, and now we combine that from revelation from scripture. God, that as a church that believes in depth, discipline, sacrifice, and sustainability, that the first level depth is found in the spirit and in the scriptures. So today, as we pursue your spirit and your scriptures, I pray, God, that you would challenge us not to become like me or not to become like anybody else, but to become like the person that you intrinsically designed. Not one of seven billion, but rather one made of your hands. God, I pray that people feel the just a cog in the wheel. They're not just something that can produce something. They're, Father, that they're a part of kingdom advancement. And not advancement in the colonization or, or whatever we want to brand it, but kingdom advancement within the mindset of God. May heaven touch earth where we walk. So, Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Hey, somebody got a nice sneeze in there. Was that you? I know who that was. I know who that was. Anyway, um, so if you've, if you've been here for any length of weeks, we've been talking about something, and essentially the something is called uh, formation of the fixated. So something that we're huge on here is spiritual formation, and what that means is the, the habits, the disciplines, the patterns, and the lifestyle that we model and that we live. And so when we were looking at moving here, and I, once again, I'm not going to go deep into this, we were focused on depth and disciplines that we would, would lead to understanding sacrifice that would then breed and breed. We, we really believe in the holistic aspect of following God, not just on Sunday mornings, but with our everyday lives. We're big into me and my wife. We pray and fast once a week. We Sabbath. We do the things that we read about in Scripture because that's what Scripture is there for, is for us to read and then do. And so with that, we've, we've been journeying through, okay, what is depth? So for one week, we talked about disciplines. One week, we, or uh, depth. We t- one week, we talked about Scripture. One week, we talked about the Spirit. Then the next week, we talked about disciplines. And we broke disciplines. In, in spirit and then ultimately going to a place of being rooted in the sanctuary as well as being rooted in Sabbath rest and resting in God. And then ultimately what we've done the last two weeks is we've talked about sacrifice. And what I mean by that is last week we talked about sacrifice. And if you want, shameless plug, once again, we have a podcast, Spotify, because we do not do live stream here. I don't know, we, we probably won't unless COVID happens again. God, do not let it happen. Because it's built on, last week we built on the passage of the Last Supper and understanding in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Gospels of the, of the Last Supper. When you research the passages, it's the Eucharist, it's the breaking of the bread and drinking of the wine. But in John, it's a completely different context. And the context is not of the Eucharist, the bread, and the wine. It's of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And so we talked about what that meant and where that stands because obviously John giving a different insight is one we wanted to talk about. And today, what I want to talk about, and I, I'm going to be a thousand percent honest with you. I struggled with if I was going to talk about this today. And I very rarely do that. I always feel very strongly when God gives me a, a word on something that I'm going to stand on it. And this week, I did not want to really do it. 
And actually, I felt like in order to do this fully, I would need to do it over two weeks. And what we're going to talk about today is, is generosity. Didn't hear a lot of amens. <laughs> and, and, and really, the Old Testament, and then next week we'll talk about generosity, New Testament. But in my opinion, right, generosity in the, in the church and is followers of Jesus is one of the most overlooked components of Scripture. But not only that, it's one of the most overlooked aspects of which we can change the world. Thank you for that. <laughs> And, and I'm going to be devil's advocate here, though. Look at the double-edged sword that it's produced. Whether it's preachers and sneakers or prophets and watches. Whether it's the churches that have so mistook and mismanaged and then crumbled because of that. Or people who've manipulated. And I, I, I personally will stand on this stage and repent of how the church has mishandled some of the finances. And I'm okay doing that because I recognize it's been a problem. And I believe the reason stored it and change it, then we can get away from the aspect of power in which it possesses. If the enemy can sow distrust in everything the church is, he's going to do it. And once again, I'm not, not aware of things the church has done. I'm not not aware of of people who've done wrong things with with people's finances and not only that, with people's talents and all of these things. I'm not, we're not not aware of those things. But that's why I felt like we needed to talk about it. Because once again, I think a lot of the times you're going to hear about giving, you're going to hear about tithing, but I don't think it's an issue of those things. It's the generous spirit that we see in scripture. And I'm going to unpack in some, in some different regards, but I'm going to start with a story to kind of get you guys at the place of understanding what I come from in generosity. And what I mean by that is you will never hear me preach a sermon in which me and my wife do not model. And so you'll hear part of my story within generosity, but really through the lens of nothing is off limits. And I think that's the place we need to start and the place we have to understand is that generosity is all it is, is a litmus test. Because if you didn't know this, the theology of man is money. The pursuit and functionality in this world is consumption and consumerism. We serve a God that says, do you trust me and will you sacrifice? The reason I talk about sacrifice, and this is why it's funny, because as we've, as we've grown through the weeks, we added chairs, which is good, right? We talked about depth and discipline before we talked about sacrifice, because in my opinion, if you don't have depth and discipline, then don't sacrifice. What I mean by that is in scripture, Jesus' entire life was summed up by a depth and a discipline that would lead him to the ultimate sacrifice. And for some reason in the church today, what we've harped on is sacrifice over and over and over. And we've not stood on the context of God. I need a deep revelation of you. I need your gospel into the innermost parts. I want to be changed by scripture and by your spirit. I want to walk in the disciplines of serving you and in those, that place we understand we graduate into healthy sacrifice because when rooted within the soils of the spirit sacrifice is what gets the world's attention for us to understand today for some of us maybe is that it's okay if you're sitting here and you're saying man I need to work on some depth and discipline because the sacrifice part is that's tough because I'm going to say this if you have depth and you have sacrifice, you'll have burnout without discipline. 
And if you have discipline and sacrifice, but you don't have depth on your own, you'll have legalism. You must have depth on your own. Discipline within the posture of following God steady. And then understand that through depth and discipline, there's a sacrifice that ultimately comes through. So what I want to do, though, I want to tell you a story because generosity to me is not if we're going to if you're going to decide to give 10 percent. That's not generosity to me. And in all honesty, we'll get into that in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Sure, that can be one component to people. But I believe generosity is when we are open to God at any moment. A few years ago, I went through Taco Bell. It's like people were like, I can't believe I'm listening to this dude. No lie though, the nacho fry commercial came on yesterday. Me and my wife were like, mmm, that looks good. Any nacho fry people in here? Yay, okay, there's some unashamed ones. <laughs> yeah, anybody raising it after you were ashamed first. Right? It's like, we come from a really small town in, in, in Michigan, and so Taco Bell like was the thing until the next morning when you're like, it should never be a thing again, God. Like, we go out of necessity. It's another sermon for another time. Anyway, so I, I'm at Taco Bell with one of my really close friends. His name is John Paul. Um, and I remember we go through the, the, the drive through And as we're going through the drive through it's a cooler day in Michigan. It's funny because I have a little uh, chest um, congestion because of the temperature variation. It's not 110 anymore. It's only 75. It's like in Michigan, it's like, wow, well, it drops from 80. To, I get a little bit more chest there. But here, for some reason, it's catching up with me. Anyway. I remember we drive through, and as we drive through, um, I look, and there's, there's a woman with her, her full Taco Bell uh, uniform on. And immediately, I'm like, okay. Like, she's walking home, and it's a little chilly. And so I remember I'm checking out, and the Lord says, hey, I want you to give that lady a ride home. And I was like, great. It was really, that really fits in my schedule and my time. And it was like, okay, so I remember me and John Paul, I tell him, I'm like, hey, we're going to pick up this lady and we're going to give her a ride home. And I remember we pull up. And uh, when, we pu- when we pull up, I, she's immediately like, obviously a car pulls up to you, blah, blah, blah. Like, hey! <laughs> so I pull up to her. I'm like, hey, you need a ride home. And she looks at me and she's like, well, yeah, but I live pretty far. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, where do you live? And she said, Benton Heights. If you didn't know this, I was like, that's about 15 miles from where we were walking home. She said, yeah, I walk to and from work every day because I don't have a car. I said, how long does that take you? She said, two and a half hours. I said, you walk, you walk five hours a day to Taco Bell and work an eight-hour shift and then walk home. She said, yeah, and I've done that for a little over a month now. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I proceed to get her in the car and she says, hey, do you mind if we, you have kids? She said, yeah, I have two kids. I said, and I'm like in the car, just like, oh my goodness, God, I know why you had me pick this girl up. I was like, first off, I am way more thankful about my situation. But second off, I remember I literally, I had a buddy who was selling a car. And I'm like, God, I can't just offer this lady a car on the spot. (laughs) It's like, it's my buddy's car. But we're driving. Yeah, I got two kids. Where are they at? They're usually I pick them buying a car or giving my buddy's car away right now. So I looked at her. I said, well, I have a car for you today. She looked at me and she was like, what? 
God's like, oh, no, you're, you're getting a car today. She said, what, what do you mean? I said, well, I have a buddy who's selling a car, and it's nothing crazy, but it runs, and it'll be, it'll be fine, and it's cheap. But I said, you'll be, you'll be getting a car today. So you picked your kids up, and I called my buddy. I'm like, hey, so I just gave your car away. <laughs> I was like, I just, I just gave your car away. Do you, uh, how much do you want for it? <laughs> And he, and he was like, well, why'd you give it away? And I was like, tell him the story. And he's like, just give it to her. And this guy's incredible guy, Ben. And I remember in that moment, I was thinking about this sermon. We gave her that car and she was just, I mean, distraught. Like just couldn't believe it. And then ultimately I was like, the reason I gave that to you is because I believe in Jesus. And he's the one who told me at the drive-thru that I was going to pick you up. And I believe he did that on purpose. First, I needed this more than you did. And I'm going to say this to you today. You need generosity more than we do. We need to be generous for ourselves. And I'm not saying it within this selfish sense, but I do believe when, you, when you're generous and you realize that your life has so much more significance than just your life, there's something that it does to you. There's a person you start to change into And I'm going to say this in this day and age with a world that is so ostracized and weaponized against the church. And in all honesty, for some rightful reasons, generosity is when faith is faith being put. And I want to challenge you. I gave that car away today, not knowing that I would get it for free. I was willing and ready to pay and I was not looking forward to it. But there was something about being rooted in Scripture and in the Spirit and and with these daily disciplines in which God moved my heart in a moment in which I said, okay, yes, God. And I pray today that that we are followers of Christ who are open to things like that. Because once again, I'm not going here. I love being downtown because it forces us, forces us to not be a polished and perfect church, but we're going to interact with broken people. This morning, there was a guy in our parking lot. I said, hey, what you doing? He said, well, I was just going to pee out here. I said, well, if, first off, I was so convicted because I was like, well, just don't pee on anything. <laughs> so, or I said, no, you can pee on the wall, just like not on stuff. <laughs> Then I was like, why didn't I tell him he could come in? I'm like, my gosh, I, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. But it's like, then guess, you want a cup of coffee? You want some granola bars? Is there anything you need? See, I'm, I'm forced to be generous because I intentionally put people in my way. I know I need to practice that with. And I think there's been such a generosity avoidance and such a, well, you know, I'm just trying to make it. I'm just trying to do it. And it's like we don't realize that some of the greatest, the most foundational moments of the Old Testament are founded on giving. They're founded on giving. So let's read. I'm going to actually jump around a lot. And once again, we're getting this through the lens. I I want to give us a holistic sense. So the the whole entirety of generosity in the Old Testament and the New Testament and challenge you. And once again, this isn't for me to stand up and be like, all right, guys, now who's going to pledge to here? But I want to challenge you to have an open heart and an open mind in terms of how we talked about washing people's feet last week. And most of us, if not all of us, are not walking around with towels this week. But we are walking around 
with the ability to bless and take care of somebody who maybe can't take care of themselves. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to give kind of this foundation of generosity. And really for me, it came from this place of this. I'm going to be a thousand percent honest with you. I had some, I've had uh, a lot of people reach out to me and essentially say that tithing and giving is something that was fulfilled within Old Testament Mosaic law. That in the New Testament, say you need to tithe 10% to your local church. And even if you break it down in the Old Testament, the tithe was once every three years. I mean, there are so many layers to it. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to create a theology for fixate in which I challenged you on your generosity, yes, to the church, but also to the world. And I wanted us to have a holistic view of what generosity is in Scripture. Because once again, for some of you guys who were here, not here the last few weeks, we talked about depth and discipline. And the context was is to have depth and discipline that understands what we sacrifice and why we sacrifice. And that's why we're here today. But, but really for me, the, the, the lens that was portrayed to me is essentially and challenged was, hey, what does it mean to you? And I remember I was, I was challenged on it and I kind of started really breaking it down. And I wanted to, like I said, we're going to break it up in two ways. But what many of us don't know is that in part, but in multiple parts. And here's what you need to know as well is when people say, especially in the New Testament, that the law has been abolished, right? There were 613 laws that you, if you had to keep all of them. And so ultimately, if you broke one, you broke all of them. You essentially broke the law. And so what we're looking at here is through the lens of understanding that generosity is something that God founded in the same sentence as Adam and Eve. And how do we know? 4, 1 through verse 8, we see that the first murder takes place. Cold case files. First murder takes place because somebody gave 10%. And somebody else didn't really give their best. And if you know the story, you know Cain and Abel. You know that Abel gives the very best of what God, ultimately God had provided for him. And then Cain didn't. And ultimately Cain in his jealousy to me, right, is the, it's like terrible to say, but the foundation of murder is that of giving. But not only that. What you can readily recognize is that Adam and Eve didn't just say, all right, this is a one-off. This was something that was taught to their boys. What God gives us, we're going to give back. Then we'll take it a step further. The foundation of our priesthood, Genesis 14, 17 through verse 24, Melchizedek. The foundation of the priesthood, Melchizedek sees Abram after a a battle and gives him a blessing in which Abram looks at him and sows 10% of what he got from the spoils. Back to Melchizedek. So ultimately before that law, this is hundreds and hundreds of years before the law was given, we see instances in which God is commanding to give. In which people are recognizing that what they have is because of what he's given. And I love these two passages because once again, for people who would say, well, the text outside of that, I would push back on these passages that were hundreds of years before the law was given. The example was being set. And I believe even too, it stands on the legs that Sabbath do as well. Remember the seventh day. God Sabbaths, God Sabbaths and rests and sets the example of rest. I believe in the same lens that rest 
is modeled in the Old Testament, so is generosity. And I think for some of us, we just look at our lives and say, well, I don't have much. And once again, this is this and that and this. No, because I know the destructiveness of what the church has done within this. But I can tell you this, that I've always said that within the context of we all grow up and at some point in our lives, we've said we want to change the world. We want to change the world. And I believe in the local church is when you give to the local church, you give to changing the world. And not just the local church, but places that maybe you'll never go to. All of a sudden, you may not realize it, but the world changer that you craved to want to become, inadvertently, you might find out that you do become that. I pray that the dream of wanting to change the world doesn't just dissipate with age and maturity. I pray it doesn't just come and go as the seasons of busyness and travel and kids and things happen. I pray that we're people who do long to change the world and recognize that your generosity can do just that. So what we see is we've got Adam and Eve instituting giving in Genesis 4. We've got Melchizedek in Genesis 14, 17 through verse 24. The very first temple being established kind of as this tent of gathering by the children of Israel. In the wilderness, it actually says this in Exodus 36, 5 and 6, is that the people gave so much, Moses had to make an announcement and say, guys, you're giving too much. What we need. So what am I saying, right? We have the very first man and woman and their children, the foundation of the priesthood, the very first real kind of centralized location of the temple before the other one was constructed. And then you have the very first permanent one, which you can read in 1 Chronicles 29. David brings all, David brings all of the leaders of the families and the tribes of, of Judah and Israel together and says, I want to build this. And in one dinner in raw dollars for the construction of the temple that he won't even see see Solomon's going to do. What I'm saying is this Old Testament giving, first people, the priesthood, the first temporary temple, the first permanent temple, even as you see that the temple is broken down and overrun, Nehemiah raises up and there's a generous spirit among God's people, not just with their, their resources, but with their time and their energy. It's almost like every single important moment, there's a generosity and a givingness that people are willing to do. And I would even say more, just as much as it's their resource, it's their time and it's their gifts. And once again, I just want to challenge the church today to lead out in this. Not I, If you never come back here again, but you're challenged in your generosity, I'm okay with that. Because I felt so, so strongly to stand on a platform in which statistically I'm a huge studier. Um, and statistically they say that not just giving in churches, but giving everywhere will, will die off with the oldest generation above over 70%. There's incredible books on it, and I can, if you want, I can give them to you later. Next Christians um, is, is one right off the top of my head in good faith by guys who run companies studying this stuff. But it's, it's so interesting to me that the enemy's robbing us of the generous spirit that the early church really transformed the world with. The generosity of being people who say, God, when I serve and I follow you, let's keep going.
In summary, in the Old Testament, we see generosity present as far back as Adam and Eve and Abram before the Mosaic Covenant. Instituted in every major milestone of Christian establishment, whether it's the priesthood, the temporary temple, the the permanent temple in Jerusalem reconstructed, the permanent temple being rebuilt after it was destroyed. And then you have the most weaponized passage. Hi, chapter 3, 8 through verse 12. Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? For you say, have we, how have we robbed you? In tithes and in offering, you are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me and know this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer, so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor your vine or the field you cast your grapes. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land. The most weaponized passage, right? If you don't nitty-gritty into these passages, though I do believe on my one point, I have one today, is this. Do you believe that Old Testament scripture still commands Old Testament blessing? Do you believe the God of the Old Testament that did the things he did And the people who did the things they did, if we modeled them, we would see the same things that they did. And as we go into the New Testament next week, I want to challenge all of us to evaluate our lens of generosity. And what I mean by that is this is something I will not preach on unless I live. Me and my wife, we don't give 10%. We give more than that. Not because we, we feel religious or legalistic in needing to do that. It's because we're, we're going to be people who lead by example in that. And it's funny because last night as I was tossing and turning in bed and Grace can... I feel like this is just so tough to talk about generosity. Like why is this so tough to talk about? And as hard as it is to say the Lord of this earth is not Jesus. It is money. And in confronting the reality that money is probably, if you don't know this, controlled or mostly controlled, really everything that goes on, we have to to confront the reality of do we believe that God is above that? That God is above it. Do we, we believe in God's provision or our talents that can provide? Do we believe that God has our best interests in mind even when it feels like this sacrifice is way too much. I'm, I'm precursoring, but in the New Testament it says that Jesus was in the temple and the woman with the two mitas gave. And it said that woman, they gave out of their surplus. She gave out of every fourth of a daily wage what she gave. Today, if you took that in, in, in today's terms, it would be about $2.43. Jesus looks at this woman who gives barely anything and says, man, she gave everything. And as we assess our hearts, right, sometimes our anything doesn't feel like anything. But with God, it's a symbol. He's our everything. And I want to challenge you today within the lens of generosity, because for me, I've never made a ton of money, and I didn't. if I wanted to make a ton of money, I wouldn't be in the profession I'm in right now. But I can tell you this. 
is it's a lesson that, I'll, that I learned and I'll never, I'll never leave. Because for me, me and my wife, we've, we have been so blessed because we've made up our minds that God, you'll have control of everything. And I'm not going to nitpick and and get nitty gritty on what the Lord in scripture gives room for your faith to be met by heaven. And that's what I see is when people give, they give God room to meet them. And I just wanted to challenge us within this. And like I said, this is like the most typically I love to take one passage and just spend the entire time on it. But I really felt like we need to understand the Old Testament view of giving and then ultimately we'll step into the New Testament view of giving. But is do you believe that the Old Testament scripture still commands the Old Testament blessing? Because I believe in a God who does and that's why we will model that. And not only that, I'm going to say this in closing. When you give here, you don't just give to keep the lights on. You don't just give to keep the AC going in the summertime because God knows we all need more of it. We're going to be a house that believes that will change the world. See, some of us, we've, we've, we've attached our mindsets to God. You'll only change the world in this way. If I'm on this platform, if I see this many people, no. We're going to be a house that believes that whatever God gives us, we'll give to him. And whatever continent that is, whatever missionary that is, wherever God asks us to go, whatever God asks us to do, we'll model it in our city and we'll believe for it in our world. See, fixate is not just about restoring the gaze of ourselves to Jesus. It's about restoring the gaze of the world to Jesus and understand that there's nothing you could create that's better than what the creator wants to create in you. Let's stand to our feet. don't know when you come here we I type up a prayer of pretty much everything that we speak on and just recite it over you so whatever that looks like if you want to receive that or open your hands or whatever we're just going to have that this prayer read over you God would you take our eyes off any form of control and identity We have an earthly mammon. May I see you as the source and the supplier, not my gifts or my talents. I possess as things I've only possessed because you've blessed me with them. Jesus, I repent if I have valued earthly riches over the treasures of heaven. Renew in me a generous spirit. In an age of consumerism and narcissism, would you challenge my existence to be a generous one for the embetterment of others? Help me to trust and believe in your goodness. May I be someone who it is evident that I put you first in everything, including my finances. 
we do not choose to follow you and give to you only on the promise of gain and on the promise of more. We follow you because there is no greater example. There is nothing new under the sun that wouldn't just be another human attempt of a house built upon the sands of vain pursuit. God, may we have the steadfastness of Job in the Old Testament that in losing everything, yet still having you uttered the phrase, though he may slay me, yet I will still trust him. God, we trust in not only the provider, but the restorer of things lost and in things not yet gained, we trust. We seek you and put you first through the highs and the lows. It is you who carries us through.